angels. We've heard about them, read about them, seen depictions in art, movies, and TV. In this series, Pastor Fred Price Jr. gets into what they actually are and their purpose. Let's jump in. Uh, you don't have to open your Bibles yet. I want to give you our subject for tonight. This is a, I recently taught this in the dome and uh, the congregation there, they were blessed by it. Is anyone familiar with angels? Uh, many of us, we, we know these creatures exist. We see them in scripture. Um, what are they for? Why are they here? What do they do? Do they benefit me? How do they benefit God? Um, there are a lot of wrong teachings about the subject of angels. I believe mainly because a lot of people just have not gone into the scriptures, looked at the context of the scriptures, and, you know, and see what's being said. I've studied this for quite some time now, and uh, I believe I have some things that uh, will be very informative to you. Now, there are numerous Hebrew words for the word angel. The word angel comes from the Hebrew words malak. That's M-A-L-A-W-K. Malak and malak. That's M-A-L-A-K. Malak, meaning to dispatch as a deputy, a messenger. Here's a definition we're all familiar with in regards to angels. A messenger, specifically of God. Now, this word can also mean angel, prophet, priest, teacher, uh, ambassador, king. Twice in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word malak, which simply means angel. There's also the Hebrew word shinan, S-H-I-N-A-N, shinan, and that means change or repetition. And here's another word that we are all very familiar with, but for some strange reason, and I won't get into it in detail right now, we'll get into it later on in the lesson, but many of you, you are familiar with Elohim. And you know who Elohim is. But there's a case in scripture where the word angels is Elohim. And uh, we'll get to that later because um, there's some truth in it that'll, that'll really, that's mind blowing. Uh, it specifically means, we know Elohim means supreme God. It says sometimes it has a, uh, sometimes as a superlative, means angels, exceeding angels, gods, Great, mighty judges. We know Elohim is supreme God. Uh, if you have a New King James Version, you'll notice that whenever God is mentioned, there's a capital G. Now, there's a scripture in Psalms 82.6 that says, I said you are God's children of the Most High. If you look at that verse, you'll see that the G is lowercase. And so, literally what you read sometimes is you'll see big Elohim and then little Elohim. And so, you know who's being referred to. Then lastly, we have Abir, A-B-B-E-E-R, and it means angel, bull, mighty one, stout-hearted, 
strong one, and valiant. In the New Testament, we just have two words. We have the Greek word angelos, A-N-G-E-L-O-S, and it means messenger, angel, one who brings tidings, pastor, by implication, there's a place in Revelation where it's referring to pastor. And then one time in the New Testament is the Greek word esangelos. E-E-S-A-N-G-E-L-L-O-S. And that word means like an angel, angelic, or equal unto angels. Now, in Scripture, you will come across the word angel, will come across the word angels, and it's obvious what's being discussed there. However, there are other words that refer to these heavenly creatures. For example, the word messenger. We may see the word messenger in Scripture. It's referring to an angel. You may see the word star or stars. And depending on that context, it can either be referring to the stars you see in the sky, or it could be referring to angels. The word star comes from the Hebrew word kokwab. That's K-O-K-A-W-B. And it has a figurative meaning of a prince. And then the Greek word for star is aster or aster. A-S-T-E-R. And that literally means a heavenly body. All right, one more word. And that is the word host. We've all heard of the heavenly host. And that's the Hebrew word sava, S-A-V-A, which indicates God's heavenly army. Now, when I teach on angels, I, I, it, for me, I have to teach on just about everything I can find in Scripture on this subject. We'll get to the, uh, you know, releasing your angels to go forth and, 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 and get your prosperity and, and things of that nature, you know, ministering spirits that work on your behalf. We'll, we'll, we'll arrive there at some point, but I like to lay foundations. Amen. Now, you don't have to go there, but there's a Scripture, Psalm 29, 1. And uh, it talks about mighty ones. And that word mighty is the Hebrew word el, meaning might and great power. Then also we have five accounts in the Old Testament. Old Testament, say Old Testament. Old Testament. We have five accounts in the Old Testament where we see the phrase sons of God. Under the Old Covenant, sons of God is not referring to you and I. It's referring to the angels because they are creations of God. The angels are also known as children of the heavens. So sons of God in the Old Testament. Now under the New Testament, we're children of God. We're sons of God. But in the Old Testament, the sons of God refer to the angels. As I said, you only see that phrase 
five times, and you can tell from the context it's talking about the angels. Sons of God is bene Elohim. That's B-E-N-E Elohim. All right, now let's get into it. Bunch of Hebrew and Greek words. Who created the angels? Oh, of course, that's easy. I mean, God created the angels, right? But, however, let us be specific. Because remember, how many make up the Godhead? Three. Three. What do we have? We have the Father and the, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we have the Father, we have the Son, also known as the Word, and we have the Holy Spirit. But the unique thing about them being three is that while they are three, they are yet still one. Now I ask the question, who created the angels? Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. We know that God created the heavens and the earth. But who does Scripture identify specifically as creating these angelic creatures? Let us look at Colossians chapter 1. When you're there, say I'm there. Colossians chapter 1. Let us look at verse 13. Now, as w- when I teach... We identify individuals in Scripture because I want you to know who's being discussed. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Who's the He? God. Okay. Specifically who? The Father. It says, He has delivered us. You can make it personal. He has delivered me. He has delivered Fred from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So the Father has delivered me from the power of darkness and translated me into the kingdom of His Son. It says, in whom we have redemption through His blood. Whose blood? Jesus. The forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. Who's He? Jesus. The firstborn over all creation. So, so far, we're discussing who? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, watch this, verse 16. It says, for by him, who's him? Jesus. Watch this. For by him, all things were created that are where? In heaven. And that are where? On earth. Watch this. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. The verse says, who created all things? Who created all things? Jesus. Yes, God, but instrumental in this creation process is the Son, Jesus the Christ. Verse 16, one more time, says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. So if all things were created by him that are in heaven, well, we know what's in heaven. We know that God's army is in heaven. So by Jesus, all things were created. This is invisible and invisible. And then it lists these categories here. Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. We'll get into what they are later. But Jesus created the angels. 
when were the angels created? You can be stealing my answers now. It's okay. No, it's, it's, it's interesting that you use that word foundations. When were they created? Well, of course, we're not going to go into Scripture and, and, and get a time and a date. However, we do find something interesting in Job. Turn to Job 38. Turn to Job 38. Job 38, and we will look at verse 4. Job 38, 4. I'm sure you're there by now. Job 38, 4 says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Well, who laid the foundations of the earth? God. It says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Watch this. Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched a line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? Watch this. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, this is how you know so we're not talking about humans when we see sons of God, because I was and you were not there when the foundations of the earth were being laid. Adam was not there when the foundations of the earth were being laid. This says that when the foundations of the earth were laid, angels were there shouting for joy. So we know without a doubt that they were not here when God was here. God's always been here, but obviously he created these angels before he laid the foundations of the earth. So we know some great time ago, they were here before us, they were here before the foundations of the earth because they witnessed the foundation of the earth. They witnessed the creation of man. Why did he create them? Because he's God. That's why he created them. Now God created them and he has a purpose for them and we'll, we'll see the purpose later on in the lesson, but he created them because he's God. He wanted to, he did it. How many angels are there? Hmm. You say numerous. Well, let's, 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 let's look at something. Turn to, turn to Matthew 26. Now, I want, you, I want you to receive this because when you find out who's on your side, when you find, find out who has your back, who's coming to your defense, who's coming to your aid. Fear is a word that doesn't exist when I know who's on my side. Matthew 26, verse 53. Now, you have to understand that there are times, we all know that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Right? At the sound of that title, you may think Jesus is soft and timid. But don't forget that the Lamb of God was also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Not was also, but is also. Jesus wasn't a weak man. See, what people fail to realize is that Jesus laid down his life. See, these cats couldn't kill Jesus until he laid down his life. See, he had to give them permission. 
So before he laid down his life, no one could kill him. We see accounts all throughout the Gospels where they planned on stoning him and where he at? He's, he's gone. It's just because he hadn't laid his life down yet. Now watch this. We're in the Garden of Gethsemane here, Matthew 26, verse 52, right here. It says, But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot win pray now? That I cannot now pray at this time, Jesus said, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Now Jesus was saying right now, if I pray to the Father, he'll provide me with 12 legions of angels. Now a legion or a Roman legion with 6,000 angels. So Jesus is talking about 72,000 angels in this one location. 72,000 angels just coming to his aid. Okay. Turn to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Jesus was talking about 72,000 in one location. Daniel, look what Daniel says. Daniel chapter 7. Look what he saw. Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, when you have it, say I have it. All right. Verse 10 says, a fiery stream issued. Actually, let's just look at verse 9. We know what Daniel's talking about here. He says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. I wonder who the Ancient of Days is. Ah, look here. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. Sounds like Jesus. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. This is what he sees. Verse 10, he says, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. One million. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, 100 million. The court was seated and the books were opened. Daniel just saw that in one place. But we get our best answer in Hebrews chapter 12. Here in Hebrews chapter 12, to sum it up, God's basically saying, child, don't you be concerned how many angels there are. No, there's enough. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Are you there? All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Watch this. The heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels. How many is that? I don't know. It's too many. I can't number them. Innumerable. Now, you got to think about this. Every angel God created, see, he, however many he created, exactly, however many he created, he created them when he created them, however many he created. Every angel has an assignment. 
I mean, there are some angels that are just, some angels, they just watch men worship God. It's their assignment. Some angels are assigned to cry out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Some angels are just messenger angels. Some angels are warrior angels. What about guardian angels? God has assigned an angel to every single person. So we ask this question now. I, I thought of this question before. How many, when does God assign you your guardian angel? When you're born or when you're born again? I'll tell you when he assigns them. He assigns them when you're born. Because even though we're born into sin, a child is innocent. So that, 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 that angel has been assigned to that child when they... Now, how many people have existed in this earth realm since the beginning of time? However many people have come into this world, there's been an angel assigned to that person since the beginning of days. And what's their assignment? To guard you. To protect you. See, we're used to the flesh. But if you look to your left and to your right, there's an angel sitting right next to you. And his assignment is to make sure. Now, of course, we have to do our job, be in line with God's word. But if we're in line with God's word, that angel will make sure that no harm comes to you. Now, you got two options. You can receive that or just, you know, let it go. An innumerable company of angels cannot be numbered. How many? I don't know. It's a lot. In 2 Kings, you don't have to go there, but in 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, Elisha kind of just sums it up and just says, you know, there's more with us than there are with them. That's just, that's just a, good, that's a good mentality to have, just always know there's more on my side. Because there's only two sides. You've got the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Which side are you on? In the kingdom of God, you've got to think about this. A king, the kingdom of God, the angels of the kingdom of God would have to outnumber the kingdom of darkness because the devil only took one-third, which leaves two-thirds over here. So it it's, doesn't measure up. And tr now, the third he took is a lot of them. It's a lot. Because don't think that the devil has it. Because remember now, Oh, I don't know if I should say this now. I guess I will say it now. See, sometimes we give the devil too much credit. We give him too much power. We look at it as God versus the devil. No way, no competition. Remember, God created the devil. Sometimes he probably forgets that he was created by him, which means the only reason the devil exists is because God exists. The devil is not equal in power and authority with God. Amen. God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at the same time. God is omniscient, which means he knows all things. God is omnipotent, which means he has all power. The devil is not any of that. The devil can't be everywhere at the same time. He's not God. So what does he do? Well, he has to assign an angel to you. He's got a, whole, like a third of them under his authority. And he obviously has enough to assign angels to every person. So that lets you know how many went with him and fell with him, how many are in that third, but you can double that in regards to the kingdom of God because there's two-thirds still remaining. There's more with us 
and I'm with them. What is the nature and appearance of an angel? We see things in movies, we see things in art, we see things on television that give us this idea of what an angel looks like or of what an angel is like, but we really can only find this out or these things out in Scripture. It is generally recognized that angels have three elements of personality. Three elements of personality. Number one, angels have intelligence. Angels have intelligence. According to 2 Samuel chapter 14, angels have greater wisdom than men in some areas. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, angels desire to look into salvation. They're curious about it. And then in Ephesians chapter 3, we find out that there's some information that's going to be made known to angels by the church. Number two, angels have emotions. Where do you think that joyful shouting comes from? Amen. We can't imagine what it sounded like in the heavenlies when Christ was born. You, you can't even imagine that sound. We know that angels have emotions. The Bible says when one sinner repents, they all rejoice. You can find that in Luke 15.10. And then lastly, we know that angels have wills. Why do we know that? Because we know of a particular angel that messed up. We know that God did not make Lucifer rebel. Now, there's something unique about angels and men in that, yes, we both have wills, but we have actually been given the opportunity and privilege to exercise our will, whereas angels, God says, do it, you do it. Now, we should have that same attitude, but we see in Scripture, back from, back, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, God didn't want Adam to eat the fruit, but Adam ate the fruit, and God didn't stop him. Why? Because God instituted something in the earth realm called free will. So he won't violate your will. Angels, on the other hand, they don't have that right like we have that right. So we see what happened when Lucifer rebels. You've been fired from the company. You're no longer an employee of heaven. We see what happened, but we see that. Intelligence, emotions, and wills. What do angels look like? Well, angels are going to have one of two appearances. One of two appearances. Number one, I don't know if you knew this, you probably do, but there are two worlds. There's the physical realm and the spirit realm. Physical world, spirit world. Now, you may not know this, but the spirit world is more real than this world. Angels will have an appearance in the spirit realm, and they will have an appearance in the physical realm. Their appearance in the spirit realm is, whoa, awesome. The scripture describes things. I, I, you can't imagine. I, I don't know how that would look. If, the, if, if somebody... Described like that, showed up in my house. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I wouldn't even know what to do. But then also we have the appearance of angels in the physical realm. What do they look like? You're still in Hebrews, right? Look at chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, watch this. Verse 2 says, don't forget to entertain strangers. 
For by doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Well, how would I unwittingly entertain an angel? In other words, how would, how would I unwittingly do that? In other words, I'm, I'm talking to someone, but that someone may not be male or female. That someone could be an angel. Or in other words, that someone may not be human. They may be an angel. Because when angels step into the physical realm, they assume the form of a human. They look like you. They look like me. And there are accounts. Some of you in this place, you, you've probably seen angels. Some of you in this place, you, you've probably been in situations where an individual showed up and did something incredible and you could not find them anymore. No, nowhere to be found. But they didn't look like an angel. They look like you. How many of you, 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 you enjoy movies? You, you watch a movie occasionally here and there. Uh, you may recall a movie. I like to use this example because it's the, it's the best example. Uh, there's a movie called The Preacher's Wife. Starring Denzel Washington. Now, if you recall in that movie, Denzel played an angel. But doggone it, Denzel looked the same to me as he does in all his other movies. And he don't play, he he, he play angels in those other movies. But he played an angel in... And Hollywood has, has done this numerous times... And, and they got that part right. That's how an angel would look in the physical realm. He looked just like a human. How else would you unwittingly entertain an angel? Every single person in this room, you've probably come into contact with an angel at least once in your life. How would you know you unwittingly entertain them? That's why he says, do not forget to entertain strangers. In verse 1, he says, let brotherly, brotherly love continue, because you don't know who you're talking to. You never know. Do they have wings? See, we're going to deal with all, all, every, everything that we've seen with our own eyes, or, or, or the, the presentation of angels that the world has given us. Let's see if we can validate that in Scripture. It says, do they have wings? That's, that's my question. Turn to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. 21st verse. See, I'm here now, so I'm going to take you everywhere in this Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Daniel 9, 21st verse. It says, Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, oh, I recognize that name. The man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, watch this, being caused to do what? To fly swiftly. Now, this verse confirms one thing, that they have the ability to fly. Still doesn't let us know if they have wings. Because you have to think that God is intelligent enough to allow a creature to be able to fly without wings. He's got it. So this doesn't confirm that they have wings, but they can fly. Look at Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. Now I'm only going to read two verses here because if, if 
I keep reading, this is one of those vivid descriptions of a, of a creature. We just want to look at two, two, uh, two verses. Ezekiel chapter 1, are you there? All right, Ezekiel has a vision here in verse 5. He says, also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Watch this. Each one had four faces, and each one had four what? Wings. Now, in verse 5, Ezekiel calls this four-faced, four-winged creature, he just calls it a living creature. That's what he says. He says, uh, also from within it came the likeness of what? Four living creatures. So, obviously that's what these creatures are called. But if you stay in Ezekiel, go ten chapters ahead in chapter 10. Ezekiel chapter 10. Ezekiel in chapter 1, he says, I saw four living creatures. And each of these living creatures had four faces and four wings. Ezekiel chapter 10, watch this verse 19, says, And the cherubim lifted their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. When they went out, the wheels were beside them, and they stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. This is the living creature I saw under the God of Israel, by the river Shabar, and I knew they were cherubim. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings, and the likeness of the hands of a man was under their wings. This almost sounds like the exact same description as chapter 1. In chapter 1, he calls them living creatures. We see here in chapter 1, they have four faces and four wings. Now we're in chapter 10. He says, these living creatures, these are the ones I saw then. They're cherubim. They have four faces four wings. So Ezekiel confirms that there is some type of creature called cherubim, or creatures called cherubim that have four faces and four wings. Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Ezekiel informs us of cherubim. Turn to Isaiah 6. All right, Ezekiel says, Cherubim had what? Four faces, four wings. Watch this, Isaiah 6, are you there? Verse 2, it says, Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. So we see here these, see now watch this, and then I want to go ahead and show you this. Look at verse 3, it says, And one cried to another and said what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now uh, we see here the seraphim have six wings. See that the cherubim have four wings. So these creatures are able to fly. We have located some creatures that have wings. We have located seraphim with which the scripture literally says that with two of these wings, he flew. Now, I, I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen, these little baby cherubs with wings and 
you know, like I, I, I think Cupid kind of has that, that, that appearance. That's not a cherub. That's, that's not a cherub. Ezekiel chapter 1, that, that's, a, that's a cherub. We'll, we'll, we'll read that. And you'll notice that these little babies don't line up with Ezekiel chapter 1. They, they, they don't see eye to eye. All right. Are angels big? Are they strong? Are they powerful? Do they have might? Okay, well, let's see. Uh, turn to Revelation 21, 17. Revelation 21, 17. It's a particular word we want to look at here. Revelation 21, 17. All right, John is explaining New Jerusalem. This is the city that, that the church will dwell in for eternity with God. He's describing New Jerusalem. Verse 17 says, Then he measured its wall 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. So this wall was measured according to the measure of an angel. Now, the wall was 144 cubits high. Now, a cubit... We're familiar with a foot. It's 12 inches. A cubit is 20 inches. Now, uh, turn to 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 23. In Ezekiel, uh, we saw a description of cherubim. Here in 1 Kings... These are creatures of great power, great strength, and might. 1 Kings 6.23 says, Inside the inner sanctuary he made two cherubim of olive wood, each ten cubits high. These are statues of, of cherubim. It says, One wing of the cherub was five cubits, and the other wing of the cherub five cubits, ten cubits from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. So these statues were 16 feet tall. And their wingspan was 16 feet out. That's the cherubim. <clears throat> you don't have to go there. According to 2 Peter 2.11, they are greater in power and might. According to Psalm 103.20, they excel in strength. Matthew 28.2, the tomb of Jesus. It was an angel of the Lord that removed the stone from in front of the tomb, scholars believe that that rock weighed about 2,000 pounds. One angel moved it. We see in Acts, we see angels breaking cats out of jail and tearing up chains and busting down walls and gates. These guys are strong. But what did it for me is Revelation. Chapter 7, verse 1. Here's, here's some strength that I cannot... This is awesome. Look at Revelation 7. See, I find comfort in scriptures like this because I know that there's a scripture in Psalms 91 that says he's given his angels charge over you. 
So I decided, well, I'm going to go into Scripture and find out or, or, or see if I can locate who's protecting me. Are, are they qualified? So far it appears they are. Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. John, I mean, Daniel, Ezekiel, all these guys, they saw some incredible things. Here we have John, we have Revelation, and look what John sees. Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. Watch this. We're talking about strength. We're talking about power. Revelation 7, 1 says, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. John saw angels holding wind back. That's awesome. How strong do you have to be to hold back wind? And that's who's been given charge over you. In Revelation chapter 4, we, we, we see uh, an angel, fire appears to be under this angel's control. So it appears certain elements of nature are under angelic control at certain times. I'll say that one more time. I'll say it slowly. It appears certain elements of nature are under angelic control at certain times. It's not rocket science to figure out who was behind Hurricane Katrina. You know, there was, there was so many, uh, you know, act of God, because you know, even in hotel contracts, these cataclysmic events are called acts of God, as if God just today decides, you know what, earthquake over here, let's kill a couple thousand people. Mm-mm. If angels can hold back wind, remember, Satan's got a third of them under his control. Jesus called him numerous times the ruler of this world. Second Corinthians calls him the God of this age. He's the God of this world or the God of this world system. This system, this world system is ran by the devil. Acts of destruction that take thousands of lives. There were some children of God that lost their lives in these events. God didn't just wake up and decide to kill his children. That's not how it works. The devil and his angels were behind that. We'll look more on that in, in detail later on. What is the relationship between angels and Jesus? Well, you all know angel, uh, Jesus was, was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. When the temptation was over, it says angels came and ministered to him in the Garden of Gethsemane after he prayed. Not my will, but your will be done. And his sweat was like great drops of blood. It says an angel came and ministered to him. The relationship between man, angels, and Jesus. Look here in Hebrews chapter 1. Angel, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 1. All right, verse 5, Hebrews 1, 5 says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, 
You are my son, today I have begotten you. None. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Now, if you drop down to verse 14, it's at the relationship between man, angels, and Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. I'm the body of Christ here in the earth realm. Verse 14 says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So if you've inherited salvation, then you have ministering spirits at your aid. The problem is too many of God's children don't know what to do with their angels. Here's a scripture the devil doesn't like. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. Oh, talking about Jesus Christ here. Hebrews 2, 16 says, For indeed he, that he is Jesus. Watch this. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. See, I'm the seed of Abraham. I get aid from the head of the church. The relationship between man, angels, and Jesus. Where do angels live? This would seem easy, doesn't it? <clears throat> Turn to John 151. Without looking in scripture, I would say heaven, of course. John 151. All right. John 1.51 says, and he said to him, Jesus is speaking, most assuredly I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Okay, so we see in this verse, angels of God are ascending and descending from heaven. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Where do angels live? Where are angels from? It appears to be heaven. Galatians chapter 1, are you there? All right, verse 8 says, Paul speaking, he says, but even if we or an angel from where? Watch this, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So this verse says that angels are from where? Heaven. I have a problem, though, with something. I have a problem with something I just read. I wonder if you noticed it. This verse just said, but even if we, okay, Paul, I understand what you're saying. You're saying even if we, man, says even if we preach a different gospel, but he says even if we, let me just, before I even go any further, would you say God is a good God? Yes. Okay, God is good. Would you say then that the place where he lives, the place where he sits on the throne, heaven, would you say heaven's a good place? Yes. 
So God is a good guy. And heaven is a good place. And the angels that God created are good. The, the two-thirds that remained with him are good. Would you agree with that? So God's good, and heaven is good, and the angels are good. Why is an angel from heaven preaching a different gospel? Okay, well, well, let's, let's, let's. Because Paul just said, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, what's an angel doing from a good place preaching anything other than Jesus is Lord? Hi, I got you thinking. What's an angel from heaven doing preaching a different gospel? Okay, well, let's find out. It's about to make a whole lot of sense. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because I didn't say it, Paul said it. Paul said that an angel from heaven, an angel from heaven. But that's where God is. And God is good. Why would God let an angel from his house preach something that opposes his son? Because Paul said an angel from heaven. Oh, but what do we have here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Are you there? Verse 1 says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the Third heaven. Third heaven? Well, wait a minute now. The Bible, God's infallible word, just said third heaven. Well, what's that about? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 3 says, And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into where? Paul just called the third heaven paradise. Did he not? Because he says that first in verse 2, he says the man was caught up into the third heaven. In verse 4, he says the same man was caught up into paradise. Paradise must be the third heaven. And heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. That's awesome. But, but Paul just said, I, I know a man caught up to the what heaven? Well, if you have a third heaven, you must have a first heaven. And a second heaven. Okay. This is beginning to make a little more sense now. Because Paul said an angel from heaven preaching some other gospel. Well, it's apparent where God is. God's in the third heaven. So that's where God is. That's, that's, that's where his house is. That's where he sits on the throne. And mind you, he's never left the throne. He sits on the throne in the third heaven. But here's the third heaven. Under that would be the second heaven. And under that would be the first heaven. Well, what's the first heaven? Go outside and look up. What's the second heaven? Second heaven would be the realm where the devil hangs out. Second heaven. Well, how do we know then that the devil's in the second heaven? Because didn't he live in hell? No. 
No, that's a myth. We need to just go ahead and eradicate. The devil doesn't live in hell. The devil's angels are not with him in hell. Hell's not one of these places that, you know, after an eight-hour day work, you decide to go home to hell, and then you wake up the next morning, you come back. No, 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 no. Hell is a prison. The devil wants to see none of hell. He's not interested in hell, but we know how the movies play it. God's in heaven, the devil's in hell. That's where God lives, that's where the devil is. The devil doesn't live in hell. You can't rule this world system from hell. The Bible in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 calls him the prince of the power of the air. Ain't no air in hell. He's the prince of the power of the air. In Job 1.6 and Job 2.1, the scriptures say that the sons of God, angels, presented themselves before God. And who was right there with them? The devil, Satan. And God says, hey man, where you been? And he says, walking to and fro across the earth. Now, sons of God presented themselves before God, which is where? The third heaven. Well, what was the devil doing in the third heaven? The devil goes before the throne of God to do one thing. Revelations 12 calls him the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. Goes before your heavenly father to do some accusing. Now, that second heaven is his realm. Some teachings call it the starry heavens or space or vacuum that you would see. Others call it the satanic heavens. That's his territory, which gives him what? Access to the earth through the first heaven and access to the throne of God in the third heaven. Now it makes sense. Now I see why an angel from heaven might preach a different gospel because there's these angels that like to show up as angels of light. Okay, drop your rocks. How do you think Mormonism and Islam got started? Because what, who, who did Muhammad, Muhammad, the prophet Muhammad, the prophet Muhammad in 613 A.D. claims that the angel Gabriel appeared before him. But I can't go into the scripture. I, I went to the scriptures to see who Gabriel visited. Gabriel ain't visited no Muhammad. The Mormons, the prophet Joseph Smith, says that an angel named Moroni appeared before him. Why would these individuals think some, some angel showed up? See, they, 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 they weren't crazy. An angel did show up. An angel from heaven, not from third heaven, but from that second heaven. That third of the angels that fell with him. Who do you think is behind these other religions? And see, they're called angels of light because the devil shows up all ugly and stuff. You're not going to want to receive that. If the devil showed up to Muhammad in his true nature, you're not going to receive that. So who shows up? Either the devil or one of his workers shows up and says, I'm Gabriel. Well, how's Muhammad supposed to know he's Gabriel? Number one, this is after uh, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Muhammad wasn't saved to fill with the Spirit, so he can't discern. That's why these belief systems have popped up all over the world for ages. The devil's at work. He's good at what he does, a lion defeated foe, but he's good at what he does, and he knows how to deceive. He's a master deceiver because he deceived himself in the beginning. The devil gave himself his names, Satan and, and, and uh, the devil. 
which means adversary and accuser. Because once you rebel against God, you become his enemy. An angel from heaven preaching a different gospel? Oh, it makes a whole lot of sense. Not an angel from where God is, but that, that second heaven. And he's able to transform himself into an angel of light, and so can his ministers transform themselves into angels of light. And there have been multitudes of angels of light that have shown up. The purpose of being an angel of light is to do what? To deceive. So you'll receive that because he appears to be a good angel. That appears to be something that I can receive. And guess what? A religion is birthed with a billion followers today because of an angel of light. That's what an angel from heaven would be doing preaching a different gospel. Not the angels of heaven where God is. Not the third heaven, but that second heaven. That's their territory. Now, did you understand that? Okay, as we move on. Do angels have names? All right, well, many of us, we at least know a three. We at least know a three. And that would be Lucifer, who I personally believe, this is just my opinion, I personally believe that he no longer uses that name because Lucifer is a good name. See, Lucifer means morning star or day star. Lucifer means light bearer. When he rebelled, I believe he lost all rights and privileges to use that name. So once he became the accuser, his name's now the devil. Once he became God's adversary, his, his name is Satan. See, Lucifer is a good name. He's no longer called Lucifer. I don't know if any of you rebuke Lucifer. I don't know if you remi we remind you, Lucifer, your power is broken, null and void. Ain't nobody doing that. Because he was once a good old boy. He was a good dude. Just ain't no good in him anymore. But his name was, was Lucifer. That was his name. Then we know this guy named Gabriel. Gabriel, that, that messenger angel who, who, who delivered the message of the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus the Christ. Then we know this other guy. This is the gangster of the heavens. His name is Michael. His name means who is like God. Michael's that warrior angel. Michael's a bad dude. See, I, I told, see, we, oh my God, I'm out of time. I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening, and remember, walk by faith, not by sight.